right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Some news and notes right off the bat here on RCST. By the way, we're going to have Benny Failhaber join the show at 345 to talk Sporting KC2. You can win free tickets on our Twitter account at RCST1320. We are going to have a KU mailbag from some other questions submitted, whether it was last week or this week. We've got our lie detector test, and we're going to be doing a fun draft in the 5 o'clock hour of the best three-year Bill Self players. But right off the bat here, I wanted to mention a couple little news things of note KU will open their 2022 basketball season in the champions classic that on November 15th against Duke and they they made notice of when they said we're going to move the champions classic back to November 15th that it wouldn't be the opening week so that means the KU is just going to take their time and kind of frolic into the season yeah that was um that was the case in 2016 I believe and there was also the, the reason for that was because uh just like this year there was an election in in 2016 um and this year of course not a presidential election but the midterms are that Tuesday what what would be that first Tuesday which normally it gets played 2016 that was the case as we all know KU had lost a game going into the Champions Classic um, that game, that's a weird game where a bunch of people fouled out against Indiana. Um, and it was, um, it may have even been the same date. I think November 15th, 2016 was the date of that game winner with Frank Mason against Duke. So that's an example of that happening then. Um, what's odd is I know in 2018 they played, they did not move it there. They played it on election night. Again, those were midterm elections in 2018 and they played um, uh, the Champions Classic when Quentin Grimes went off over uh, Michigan State, and, and in fact, in spite of the fact that it was on um, an election, a midterm election night, they they still went ahead and played it that night. In the case of this year, they're moving it to the following uh, Tuesday. So yeah, they may get. Um, I haven't gotten a look at their. I don't even know if their schedule's out, uh, but I would imagine at the very least they'll probably p- play that opening Friday night game. I, I would guess by then they would have played at least one regular season game. Well, no, that's what they're saying. They're saying this is going to open the season for them. No. That's that. Yeah. What? <laughs> really? That's a late start. I know. Because even, even when they moved it, like, even in 2016, when it when it's they played it, the Champions Classic on the 15th, KU had had two, one or two games by then. I would, that's crazy. I would think... That, see, I just assumed that they would play like that Friday before the Champions Classic. They would have played like whatever, you know, a, a, a mid-major team would come into Allen Fieldhouse and, and that would be the home opener. That surprises me that they're starting the season so late. Yeah. When, I mean, when on earth are their 
uh, in-state Division II preseason games going to be then? Because those the are thing, usually, usually around Halloween. Right. Exactly. So that's that's a long time in between. Because yeah, this is this is directly from the KU men's basketball Twitter page. Lock it in, tipping the season off in style at the Champions Classic. We'll take on Duke in Indianapolis. Now maybe they're just playing around with the tipping off part and and the champ. I don't know. Maybe like that that is weird to me that you wouldn't play before that. Is that. late. Yeah, I, I'm surprised because I, as I just mentioned, they they played Indiana before playing Duke in 2016. Because the Champions even if Classic you played like a, some show, yeah, I, I just assumed you know? that the, yeah, that the, the Friday night before, especially yeah, the, that young of a team that you're yeah, gonna have the Friday night before, I just assumed the Friday night before Champions Classic would be the home opener against some, you know, like Stony Brook, a team like that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, well, very odd. But I don't know. Maybe thro- again, Grady Dick thrown right into the fire. I know. Gosh, and Duke has all sorts of uh, top end recruits. We'll see quite the uh, start for. John Shire is the new head coach with Coach K. I'm sure he'll be wearing. I hope he wears like a like a hood and a Guy Fox mask in the crowd, and he like tries to act like he's not there, but he's like signaling in coaching decisions. Dude, to, the still the guy still has an has an office there. They, I just I don't know. I would not. And if, if Shire does a good job, then then he'll nobody will care. But I would not feel good about sh- if I'm in Shire's shoes. Um, or he could just uh, K could go a step step further and. Remember when Bobby Valentine was with the Mets and he got run from a game by the umpires and he came back with one of those like fake glasses, nose, and mustache little mm-hmm. things? And yeah, sat the guy in the Fox dugout. mask. Or wait, no, guy no, Fox no. mask is guy Fox else. mask is V for, v for Vendetta. What am I thinking of? I don't know. I just know that they're just the funny little mustache. The the guy Fox mask is V for Vendetta. Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right on that. What are those called though? The I don't glasses know. with the mustache. I thought those were called something. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, but regardless, that's what I was thinking though. The, that, that, the, yeah, the mustache show glasses. Groucho, yeah, Groucho marks. Yeah, Groucho, Groucho glasses. marks. That yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So that settles that. But anyway, yeah, that would be kind of funny. Hmm. I agree with that. Um. The other news thing this happened last night. Ku landing another safety. They're just gonna have the deepest safety room in the country if they keep going at this point. Uh, Jalen Die is a six foot, hundred eighty five pound safety. He is from Palomar College, which is. Um, out of San Diego, California, or at least he's from San Diego, California. He had other offers from UNLV and Colorado State, which those don't jump off the page. But what does jump off the page, a couple things. One, this is a transfer. He, he went to Arizona State, redshirted, went to Palomar College, then comes out to KU. So it would make sense that maybe there weren't a ton of colleges offering him because he could have had another year of JUCO. Right, and a lot of times the bigger JUCO recruits, it's after two years, and you get that other year of, of JUCO play. So this well, is KU maybe getting out in front of what could end up being a really good JUCO product. And again, he has and power maybe, five experience, and right? If so you know if, athletically he's there. It's possible. I don't know the details, but I do know some. Sometimes guys will only stay at a JUCO for one year if it's about the if it's not about their their level of play, but it's about their grades. Again, I don't know if that's the case with this guy. But some players will only stay at a JUCO for one year because they're there to get their grades up, and that only takes them a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to note the only real analysis I have for this is is, he spe- is it spelled D Y E, last name Die? Yes, D Y E. There's a family in Gardner with that last name, and oh, the, I thought you were going to say the dad else. looked just like Michael Keaton. Okay, I thought you were going to so make. We always called him Beetlejuice. Well, I, it sounds like you don't know who his actual dad is, um, which I was. Thought that, hope was that you connected together. Uh, do you remember one Jermaine die? No kid. Kansas kidding? City Royals. Yeah, that is his that's dad. his dad. Yeah, 
Really? Yeah. And that was the other thing I was going to say. I know that doesn't technically matter, but having that lineage of a major league baseball player like shows you the athleticism that well, we, they I mean, can have. Coaches have said time. A lot of coaches will talk about when they're recruiting a high school kid, they'll get a look at their dad. You know, if it's a male, they'll get a look at their dad. A female, they'll get a look at their mom. But they'll get a look at their parents. That if a kid is maybe, you know, six foot one in in high school, but then you look at their dad and, and his dad's like six four, six five. They may recruit that kid thinking that, you know, he may have a growth spurt in him because his genetics suggest that he comes from an athletic background. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember Jermaine Dye very well. He cranked some home runs. I was there um, back when we had season tickets. I was there to watch him get presented with his gold glove. It was the mm. first time I ever saw such a ceremony. Yeah, so cool little tie-in there. At the very least, maybe we see Jermaine Dye at some uh, KU football games. Um, so now that that's out of the way, Wait, uh, won a world championship with the White Sox. That's right. He was actually World Series MVP. One of uh, one of a, a handful of players from that Royals era that went on to, uh, I think, all of them. Actually, now that I think about, it, didn't Beltron eventually get one with the Astros? Oh, I thought gosh. he was on that Astros team. I don't know. I'm almost certain that he was not not the one I that lost him being on the Mets I, around that time. No, I'm talking about the one that the most re, the one that the Astros won that oh. won the whole thing recently. I thought he was a bench player for them. That sounds familiar. And then Johnny Damon won one with the Red Sox. So that whole that whole core of guys that um, you know didn't you know they never had enough pitching for them to do well um, went on eventually won titles at, at other places. Jermaine Dives one of them. And yeah. Now his kid is a Jayhawk. There we go. You know, one thing I was thinking about as we await these other decisions from NBA guys and, and what happens with KU and the scholarship numbers and is Jalen Wilson coming back? If he doesn't, who's filling the scholarship? If he does come back, would you still be able to make something work? And we've talked about the idea because this isn't a new concept to college basketball, to college sports, to KU even, of the idea of, you know, if some really good player wants to come to your school, you figure out the rest later and you almost kind of are in a situation where, you're basically pushing someone out the door. Now, I don't think you can officially do that, but it's almost something where it's like, hey, this guy came here. Now I'm going to have a conversation with this kid. And it's like, hey, you are now fourth on the depth chart. You're never going to play here. Yeah. So if you want to sit it out, you're going to be miserable, but you can stay here. Otherwise, I will support you. I'll help you with a waiver. I'll help you with whatever you want. To that exact conversation happened with Latrell Jossel. Mm -hmm. uh, a different situation because he hadn't transferred to KU. He came into KU as a freshman. But that's just an example of self being honest with the kid and saying, look, we, you know, maybe down the road, there'll be a spot for you. But for now you're kind of buried on the depth chart and, and the kid chooses to go elsewhere. And self is not shy about, you know, not in a mean way, but he'll be up front with a player and say, you know, if, if you want real minutes this coming year, you may want to look at a different program. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not totally new that that would happen. Um, if like hypothetically Jalen Wilson wants to come back and Tyrese Hunter's like, but I still really want to come there. Like you try to make that work. One thing that we haven't really talked about though is, you know, th there's two parts of that. One, what happens if you do that and the kid just straight up like who you're going to like basically pull the scholarship from in that situation to give to the other guy is just like, no, I don't care. Like, I, I don't I'm care. I'm staying. I'm staying. You know what I mean? Like, what would happen? Well, I I don't know. Here, Here's the thing. I know at one point, it used to be, and, not, and, and like, within the last decade, this was the case, that scholarships for players were essentially one-year rolling deals that could be pulled. Um, 
Indiana became an example of a school that drafted what they called a, a student athlete bill of rights. And that included that. I, I think if you meet certain requirements, your scholarship is guaranteed four years or until you t- choose to leave, you're on your own. I don't know if it's become a rule that all scholarships provided you keep your grades at a certain level and meet team requirements. Um, if they have to be four years now, I know that there was some talk about how a lot of people thought that should be the case. I don't know if it's become the case or not. And so I, it's very possible that a coach might have the, I don't know this, but it's possible the coach might have the power to just say, well, I'm in charge of who gets which scholarships and I'm taking it from you. I don't yeah. know that. I, but at one time I know it was possible. I don't know if it's still possible or not. Yeah, see, I, I don't know the answer to that either, and that is a big part of that. I just I just wonder how interesting that is. And so I guess the the direction I'm going with this is that if that does happen, essentially, where you can't open up another scholarship, or if you just straight up don't really want to even try to have that happen, and you're just like, well, this good player wants to come here. We're out of scholarships. I don't want to kick someone off the team or, or kick someone's scholarship. How can I make this work? We talked about this last offseason for a little bit. I, I want to bring back up this conversation because we haven't seen it yet, and I do feel like at some point, at some point, we are going to see this happen in the world of college sports. With NIL in place, I, I don't see a way that there doesn't end up happening something where a team is out of scholarships, whether it's football, basketball, whatever sport, and basically somebody – foots the bill for what the scholarship would cost for what the school attendance and, then he and could everything become a walk on with NIL. So he's basically, yes, he is a walk on. He's not counting against scholarship limit, but as far as his school actually getting paid for some business or big wig owner of some company is essentially writing the check for his school. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. I do know, uh, well, I'm almost certain and I don't want to use, I have a player in mind, but I don't want to use names in case this is inaccurate. But I'm almost certain there was a case um, in like the late aughts, early 2010s, uh, like 09, 10, or maybe 10, 11. But at one point, KU was so deep that they had a scholarship player essentially volunteer to revoke his scholarship and stay on as a walk-on because the team was so deep and and, and they needed another scholarship. And so I, they had a player who, as I remember it, agreed to, to be a walk-on. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's a possibility. Um, it's an interesting thing. And and what kind of, you know, do you want to build a reputation? If, if you are a coach who does that, does have that sort of power, do you want to build a reputation as a coach who would do that sort of thing, you know, for, for a player or would it make it, you know what I'm saying? Like, is is it worth having that player with the bad PR that would come along with just taking another kid's scholarship away? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough question to ask. I would love to go back, and I don't remember what the scholarship situation was. Well, this wasn't a transfer, but um, a guy whose name you will probably hear a little later in our uh, fun little draft we got coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, um, Brandon Rush. We've talked mm-hmm. about before how he was a very late signing uh, as a freshman. Now, again, not a transfer, but a freshman. I wonder. I don't know what their scholarship situation was at that point and what their plans were. And then all of a sudden, a five-star recruit says, "Okay, no, I want to come to Kansas." And you know, really, so so late in the signing period, 
to the point that I'm not even sure. I, I, I don't even know if the semester had started by the time Brandon Rush, you know, chose to come to KU. I, I it was late, late though. Yeah, I mean, we've um, so seen, that's a similar deal. We've seen in in several years past that Bill Self has operated with twelve scholarship players. Uh, I don't know if it's just in case something like that happens. It's like, almost the equivalent of, of an NFL team making sure they have an extra eight million in salary cap right. room in case the free agent trade, gets cut or there's agency. a trade that they can make in in October, November. Yeah, so we've seen that before. So maybe that's just what happened there. And you know, um, I, I think what's interesting here is if that were to happen now. I, I think most likely in that scenario, um, you are probably able to push someone out the door. But again, in case it doesn't happen, and, and the questions that come up for me with if you were to do that, I mean, first of all, like the blowback that you would get from other schools, from other coaches, especially from administrators from the NCAA, they would be livid at that situation happening. Oh, if, if you just had somebody say, no, I'll go ahead and pay for their school? Seriously. Like, imagine if imagine if Tyrese Hunter couldn't be on scholarship and, yeah, KU did that with him. I don't know if would administrators Like, imagine be, how mad, like, Scott Drew would be. Why would administrators be mad? Well, maybe not admit. I just mean, like, like you know, athletic directors, I guess. Oh, um, oh no, of, of competing schools. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Of I thought schools. you were talking of the school where the player ultimately goes. I'm like, they wouldn't care. They're getting no, extra no, tuition no, no, money. No, no. no, of course. Um, no, no, yeah. Of the, of the competitors, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I also think we're in a, I mean... We're kind of at a point now with the way NIL is going, uh, particularly with state legislatures getting involved, which, of course, that, as we all know, should be the highest of priorities with <laughs> these damn state legislatures to make sure their college athletic programs are doing fine. Um, I say that as somebody who's obsessed with the college basketball pro- athletic program, and I still think it's insane that they're doing that. But anyway... Um, I, but I, I do think we're at a point now with, with as, as crazy as NIL is, we've kind of already reached and passed the point of all is fair in love and war. And so I'm sure, you know, privately some coaches, and maybe even publicly some will whine about it and you'll get another Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher situation. Um, but ultimately, I think a lot of it, a lot of coaches will just, you know, scream and yell about it behind closed doors with their assistants and then just say, all right, they got creative now we got to get creative yeah i i think you're right there the the big key is is what would the ncaa do because now <laughs> well, we've learned very little yeah, they'll get sued no it's i mean it's a good point but it's like now that they have passed these rules that they're going to poss- possibly be punishing certain schools or players in in certain use or misuse how they deem yeah. it of nil and trying to avoid teams basically the, the pay-for-play idea where it's like, if you come here, I'll pay you this, as opposed to just, if you're here, I'll pay you this. Yeah. And, and that's the question for me, because it's like, on one hand, if you have a player come to a school and he's a walk-on, he's not on scholarship, when he was clearly a really good player, and all of a sudden he has an NIL deal, it's it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, obviously this was in the works. Like, every, like everybody can clearly see that's what happened here. But at the same point in time, for you to actually punish someone, you do have to, like, prove something. And, and could you actually prove that? Because if a school, like, if, if the NIL deal was a handshake agreement and it's just like, hey, sorry, but we can't actually pay for your school until you, and, and pay you until you enroll in the school. Yeah. But we promise we will do that as long as you sign here. Yeah, what, How what, can the NCAA police what that? Line is There's being, no paper yeah, trail. What line is being stepped exactly. over? And, you know, or what if they get really creative and they say, okay, there's this kind of, 
bordering kid who you know might transfer, but he doesn't want to transfer, and he's the guy that becomes the walk-on and gets his tuition paid for. And the other guy, the better guy, the five-star guy, or the better transfer, you use the scholarship on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they're like, well, no, the scholarship went to the better player. Yeah. This company just decided they really like this walk-on kid, and they wanted to pay for his school. Actually, now that you bring it up, that's probably the way it would happen, though, yeah. right? It would be, that You wouldn't hey, give a five-star the right. walk-on and say, but he's getting NIL, and, and, and with that NIL, it's whatever, $30,000 or whatever the mm-hmm. cost of, of school is for a year. Uh, maybe I look like a complete old-timer saying that's the cost, <laughs> and maybe it's skyrocketed even more than when I was in school. But, yeah, the point is... I think more likely is the company would say, okay, the scholarship goes to the the big-time recruit, and then this kid who's bordering, who then agrees to become a walk-on, some NIL company, or I mean some company who, who pays you know NIL money for, for advertisements would say, okay, we'll take care of that kid's tuition. Yeah, they're like, hey, uh, hey Kyle Cuff, like, we're still going to have your school paid for. Like, you don't have to worry about anything. But we're just going to officially take you off scholarship. But again, you're basically going to be on scholarship with this NIL deal. And then here's the scholarship yeah. for Tyree Song. And we can't tell you it's for a scholarship, but this company is going to write you a check for the exact amount mm-hmm. of what a scholarship would be. Yep. that's uh, It's coming at some point. Would it happen this year? I'm not expecting it to. Would it happen for KU to land those guys? Again, not expecting There's it to. There's no chance we're the first people who no. have thought of this possibility. That's the thing. There will be someone who does it. 100%. At some point, it could be five years, could be 10. Who knows? Maybe the landscape will change so much with NIL and it won't even be a thing. But if NIL continues on, like it's going to happen at some point. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card too. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Join now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk by Benny Failhaber. The head coach of Sporting KC, two have really gotten things rolling here, and they're going to be back at home on Sunday at 1 o'clock over at Rock Chalk Park. You can check out the game, and actually we're giving away free tickets as well. Go to our Twitter page, at RCST1320, and have a chance to win some free tickets to go out and support the club and see the uh, Sporting KC stars of the future. And again, like I said, starting to see some uh, success coming in as well. Uh, so, Benny, you guys took down San Jose 2-1 to one on the road last Friday. What did you see out of your squad that, that you liked and, and led to earning those three points? Yeah, well, the guys have been, um, you know, building chemistry in terms of learning how to play with one another, also being able to, you know, grind out results, which I think is a, is of massive importance, especially at this age. I think, uh, you know, kids tend to really hone in on the technical abilities and the tactical abilities that you're trying to, you know, help them understand uh with the team concepts and whatnot but being able to grind results is is a is a part of the development as well and and, and becoming a real pro so um especially these last two games on the road in portland and then in san jose um we didn't have necessarily the best of the game at all times but we were able to you know be be organized work together defensively and take advantage of our opportunities going forward 
you guys had literally just signed um, Kian Alberto. I don't, I don't know if that's the proper pronunciation there, but uh, he sees his first start, contributed with an assist right off the bat. How, how impressed were you with Alberto in, in his first action? Yeah, Keon came in and he he trialed with us, and and right off the bat, you could see he's got you know some some really good you know soccer abilities in terms of technical technical abilities, passing, how he sees the game, and um, you know we we could use a player like that in 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 any location on our field, but obviously in the midfield we've had um, you know only three or four guys that have played a part in there, so depth has been a little bit of an issue with guy, with a few guys getting injured, and so um, he got a chance right off the bat, like you said, to, to start in a game and. Um, played well and obviously delivered the, a fantastic assist for the first goal. So, um, you know, as a staff, we're, we're really pleased and we and we hope that he can continue to develop and, and improve the team and himself. Well, now overall, you guys have won three straight matches, um, had a bit of a slow start to the season, trying to, you know, get everything together. And, and now you're 4-4-1, four, four and one, sitting with 13 points. Uh, what has been the biggest change in, in what your team has done to kind of turn things around, whether – it's you guys from the coaching staff, the players, or kind of everybody all together? Um, well, look, I'd love to say that I think that as a coaching staff, we've you know, already developed the players to an extent where we're now you know, getting the results. But I think it's more on the players themselves. I feel like, you know, like I said in the beginning, where it, it, it's a grind. You know, whether it's MLS, MLS Next Pro, USL, any, any league in, in the U.S., there's a lot of parity, and, and teams have to learn how to win games. And I think that's been the biggest development in terms of mentality for our group is even if we're not the best team on the day, or even if we are, to be able to take advantage of the right moments in the game, especially close to our uh, box defensively, and then obviously in our offensive box to be able to you know take those opportunities. I think the mentality has started to shift with guys, and it's not just about – playing pretty um, or, or having good individual success. It's about how do we, as a team, uh, grind through moments in the game to keep us in games and then find the right moments to, you know, obviously seize those opportunities and get those three points. So that's been massive, and we've been able to start now, you know, more and more honing in on the things that we want to improve on, uh, whether it be individually and, and, and the technical aspect of the game, but just the tactical aspect, right, where we play in a 4-3-3, what it means to be, um, you know, playing for a sporting Kansas City team. And so those are the things that we are, are now able to kind of uh, mix and match in training and in games because the guys are really mentally focused and, and know what it takes to win games. Well, I know for you guys, we've talked about this before. Like, it's it's not at the end of the day from your position as much about the wins and losses as, as maybe a, a top club would be in the MLS because part of this isn't just like you want to win along the way, but it's also about developing those guys to hit that next level for you all. But how much does winning, how much does having that positive success help in terms of the development of these young players? Look, for me, I think it's, I think it's the most important thing, you know, because yes, through training, through games and, and just being with our staff. And obviously I, I played under Peter and I've been in the room and the coaching staff with Peter. And I, and I know what it takes to kind of help, players develop especially from a young age into you know the kind of players that'll make it in MLS but the mental part of the game is so hard and I think that for me being able to challenge yourself mentally so that you know what it takes to be a winner that's gonna that's gonna push you to another level no matter where you end up as a pro so 
Um, I think that's been massive, and I think that's something that we're, you know, little by little getting with the guys, and they, they start to understand not only, like, you know, doing things professionally, whether it's getting ready for the next game, getting ready for training, what it, what it means to, 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 you know, put your best performance in day in and day out, um, but actually on the field, you know, when, when you feel like you're under pressure, who, you know, what players can you lean on and what guys are, are your teammates that can help you through tough times. And obviously, like I said, in the moments where the game is there in front of you, um, can we take advantage? Can we score the goals when we're in the right positions, when we were one pass away or one run away from, from an opportunity? And I can tell you from, you know, three, four weeks ago to now, it's night and day from, from our guys. You know, they, they, you know they, they do that last sprint to make sure they get on the end of a cross or provide that sprint to make sure that they get inside the box to clear a ball from, from the other team that's getting a chance. And so those little moments are the moments that I see, you know, massive impact in those guys and, and changes in a, in a very positive way. So it's, it's very uh, exciting to see that change with, with the players on our team. Your opponent Sunday, 1 o'clock over at Rock Chalk Park. It's the Vancouver Whitecaps. It'll be your second meeting with them this season. And they're currently in fourth in the West, which the cutoff for making the playoffs is the top four. Obviously, there's still a lot of season to go. Uh, but you're only three points back of them for that playoff spot. So obviously a very big one coming up on Sunday. What's going to be the keys to the match from your end, and, and how will Vancouver make things difficult on you guys uh, this time around? So obviously we've played Vancouver before. This is the first time we're playing a team for the second time, and um, we lost them 4-1, and it was a game where, in my opinion, we, we had the majority of, of the chances. We just we didn't put hardly anything away, and in the moments that you know, we gave up a counterattack or a set piece. They uh, they were able to take advantage of those very often, and so it's about like we said. You know, I told the guys early this week that this is the first opportunity that we have to show that we are a different team from even a month ago, and so the ability to not only create those chances but actually score. And when we're under pressure and we're inside our box, can we be stronger? Can we be you know individually responsible to? Uh, you know, do our jobs and, and clear the ball and make sure that, you know, they, they, don't, they don't turn those chances into goals. So um, I think the guys are excited. I think we are a different team than we were a month ago. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, how we look against a very good team that, that imposes their will in certain ways that we weren't able to, to deal with last time around. He is Benny Failhaber, head coach for Sporting KC2. You can check him out this Sunday at Rock Chalk Park, 1 o'clock. Win free tickets on our uh, social media page at RCSC1320. Benny, appreciate the time as always, and good luck this weekend. No problem. Thanks for having me, man. That was Benny Failhaber, head coach for Sporting KC2. Again, go to our Twitter page at RCST1320. If you want some free tickets, just retweet the account or the uh, tweet, be following the account, and uh, we're going to pick some random winners on tomorrow's show to go to the game on Sunday. It's at 1 o'clock. I think the weather uh, is supposed to be cleared up by Sunday. Obviously, it's been raining these past couple of days, but um, I think it should be nice by uh, Sunday, a little bit warmer, great, you know, it's a family fun event. You can go down, get autographs from all the players. They are the future Sporting KC players. So you're getting in on them uh, kind of early, and it's just a fun, family-friendly event. You're going to have great seats because Rock Truck Park's super comfortable. Everything is a great vent seat in the venue. Uh, go check it out on Sunday, and again, win free tickets with us. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Truck Sports Talk. This is FM 101.7. And 1320 KLWN, depending on it.
Welcome back in. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We'll have our player draft of three-year Bill Self players coming up in the five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. But first things first, we have a KU mailbag. Woo! Uh, we have some questions from last week, questions from this week to get to. Let's start with uh, one that we didn't get to from last week. This comes from Frank. Uh, the combine invite muddies things up for a Jalen Wilson return. Assuming he does not, there are dog things that Jay Will did, like leading the team in rebounding, being the team's vocal leader, that will have to be replaced. Who are the folks that do those things on the roster? So again, I think, you know, the idea here is that Jalen Wilson probably still is coming back. But hypothetically, if he doesn't come back, because he would be the obvious guy that if he does come back and he would be the projected leader on the team, he would be the projected leading scorer, maybe even the leading rebounder on the team coming back into the season. If you don't have him back, who would we view as the leader of the team? The guy who I think may set the tone in terms of teaching guys, look, this is what to expect in boot camp. This is what to expect with self. This is what to expect with this assistant, that assistant, blah, blah, blah would I think be Dwan Harris. He's not, at least outwardly on the court, he's not super loud, um, but he's a steady player. Very reliable. Obviously obviously not going to replace Jalen Wilson in rebounds. Um, But I I think he is the steady... It's rare. Most of the time, your team leader and your uh, best player are one and the same, or at least your team leader is one of your two or three best players. With Dewan, I just think he would he would be a great example, a steady um, example of what to do, a very reliable guy. I feel like Dewan Harris is the kind of guy that in any given moment during the day, you know where he is because he's a very steady, routine, uh, mature guy. Um, as far as you know, vocal leadership, um, I don't know. I, I think that's why Bill Self has these things like boot camp because he wants guys to. You know, when when you you know he can only yell so much, and, and part of boot camp is pushing yourself beyond what you thought were your physical limitations. And I think um, part of that, you know, during that process, you get guys who come out as vocal leaders. Um, you know, supporting the guys who are, are you know coming up, la- you know, not lagging from a lazy standpoint, but just really reeling from how intense and difficult it is. Yeah, I I guess Dewan Harris would be the guy that you look to as being that trusty guy in the court. But yeah, you're right. As far as like being a vocal leader, um, would it be one of the freshmen? We don't know enough about them for me to say that declaratively. Um, Here's one. What about Christian Brown? <laughs> no, and not Christian if Brown. if not him, Brandon Rush. Mm, also, not Brandon Rush. Um, you don't think it'd be either of those? No, I All don't. Right. Okay. I have a, a sneaking suspicion. I'm not sure what tells me that. I just, you know, gut feeling. Greg um, Ostertag? No, still no. Okay. Still no. All right. Well, I'll let You're you talk. You're getting on the right path. I'll let there, you talk though. then. I I think that um, Kevin McCuller makes some sense in terms of he's a upperclassman. By all accounts, he's known as being like a good teammate and kind of a leader at Tech. Okay. But, but how much of that can you carry over when you're on a new team, right? So that becomes a little more difficult. That's yeah. That's there's true. not an obvious answer. No, yeah, that's that's a great question because the the genesis of the question is what you just said. There's not an obvious answer. 
Um, Bobby Pettiford, maybe? He seems like a uh, kind of upbeat guy. KJ I mean, Adams. I was going to say, KJ Adams, I just don't know where his minutes are going to be. He seems like a terrific teammate and a very positive, upbeat guy. And clearly, you know, was ready, constantly ready. And, and, and this was a tough position for him to be in because he would go whole games without playing. And then there would be a moment at the end of the half against Miami. KJ, go. Uh, the end of the game against North Carolina after the out-of-bounds in North Carolina with three seconds left has one more chance to to heave up a shot. KJ, get up, go. So, like, KJ really had to be ready, you know, to sit there and, and think, okay, there's a good chance I don't, don't play this game, but there's an equally good chance that, you know, with four minutes left in the first half, I have to be ready at a moment's notice. And so that takes a certain type of, of attitude and certain type of energy and certain type of readiness that could translate to being a good leader. I just don't know what his minutes would look like. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's it's really impossible to know with all those. So yes. Supposedly Grady Dick it doesn't isn't shy of you know, about running his mouth. I don't know what they'll look like when he becomes a college freshman versus a high school senior. We'll see. Yeah. I, I would probably go Kevin McCuller right now, but again, that is hard to make the transition. No matter what, you'd be having someone probably be doing it who wasn't in a big role last season because, again, Dwan Harris is not like a super vocal guy, but he would be the guy that you look to and say he is the steady force and leader by example on the floor for you. This next one comes from Andrew Rosenthal. Andrew asks, best Jayhawk athlete from Chicago. He said recent ones I can think of are Sharon Collins, Jamari Trailer, Jalen Coleman Lands, Charlie Moore, Allie Nelson, Isabella Cavalcanti, and he's Chicago. I, Julian I, Wright's the greatest athlete I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it depends so what you mean I, by I athlete, would, right? I, he could do things athletically that were but pretty I guess, remarkable. Do you think he means athlete in terms of like from the Greek Olympic standpoint of like run faster, jump higher? Or do you think he's just referring to athlete as far as accomplishments? Well, no, I just mean in, in terms of being able to encompass um, multiple sports. Oh, because yeah. again, like you mentioned, Allie Nelson, like volleyball player. Yep, yep. Um, I don't know. I still Julian Wright was was remarkable athletically. I mean, I I would I I, I I'd be interested to actually look at the list and go go further. Um. And, and delve deeper and maybe I come up with a different answer but just there were a lot of I always say that really great athletes the, the ones you can judge is, is they have these moments where you just go human body shouldn't be able to do what that man just did and and Julian Wright had his share of those he was incredible I mean he, he wasn't I don't think he's even approaching best players under Bill Self but just in raw athleticism that guy was pretty Pretty impressive. Yeah, for me, I mean, hmm. I think Jamari Trailer without his shirt on looked like he could fold a car in half. Yeah, so I mean, the literal standpoint, if you're just saying athlete, it's it's probably him, at least in recent memory. I'm sure there's some people that are long ago that we're forgetting here. I'll go Sharon Collins. I I would make the argument that Sharon is the most accomplished. Oh yeah, player in in Bill Self history in KU basketball uh, under Bill Self's time, which. You're saying, okay, Bill Self's time at KU is the greatest stretch of KU basketball, and he's the best at that. Like, yes, there are other players that you would bring up in other sports 
Um, but again, I don't have like a wealth of knowledge on we everything could, in those other sports. We so. could reverse engineer it and say Gale Sayers because he went to Chicago <laughs> after his time at KU, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's what he meant. No, I don't think so either. I'm trying to think who all sticks in your mind of, of guys that played at KU who were just from Chicago. Cliff I Alexander. I, yeah, I mean, I don't have a, a great enough knowledge uh, knowledge you know database. Bill Self loves the Chicago guys though. He could, and that's why he was. I mean, he still for the longest time remained the only dude at Illinois who could successfully recruit Chicago, and he obviously brought those chops with him to, to Lawrence. Okay, next question. This one comes from Space Jam eighty seven on oh, Twitter. Excellent. With the NBA deadline seven days away, this was obviously asked two days ago, uh, input on Jalen Wilson coming back? Question mark. Is Tyrese Hunter going to Texas? Question mark. Is KU still in the hunt? Question mark. Any other transfers on KU's radar? Question mark. Final roster predict- projections? Question mark. Super way too early starting five projections? Question mark. Let's take that one at a time. Lord almighty. Um, input on Jalen Wilson coming back. Uh, the the more time goes on, the less yeah. I think it's happening. Really? I'm still probably hanging around that 60% mark. I was at 65%. And look, it, it only takes one tweet to change that. Mm-hmm. But the more time goes on, the more I think he's... Again, I'm still at about 60% that he returns. I would agree. But uh, um, the more time goes on, the more I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Because the longer that he goes, that means the more he's thinking through the, the decision... The more he's trying to wait till the very last minute to see if he can get any maybe promises. Which or, I can't say I blame him for that. No, no, not at all. Or team visits. I mean, that didn't could, you change it? Yeah, he we didn't even we didn't find even out. hear till the next day. Like he he withdrew in time, but we didn't he didn't announce it till mm-hmm. like the next day. Yes. So you're right uh, from that standpoint that the longer this goes, the more it becomes a thing. I, I agree I'd have it at about sixty percent. Um, wouldn't be shocking for me if he went pro, but I'm still expecting him to come back. Next part of that, is Tyrese Hunter going to Texas? I don't know. It seems like the rumor is that that's the case, that there's a NIL bag being popped his way for Texas, but that's just hearsay and uh, rumors and message boards and, and things like that. So I, I don't have a definitive answer for you on that one. Uh, the next question, is KU still in the hunt? Yes. Yeah. I'd say yes, very much so. I would say that is probably very much tied to Jalen Wilson. Now, we talked about it earlier in the show. Could a team ever just be like, we don't care, we're full, full up on scholarships. NIL, we're going to pay for somebody's school that essentially is like us having another scholarship. Uh, but outside of that, it'd be KU kicking someone off the team or basically you know, showing them the door, you lose your scholarship. At this point, we're so late in the game, I feel like somebody would have already left. Um, I would say that KU is in the hunt, but it is if Jalen Wilson does not come back, I feel like you'd feel pretty good where you're at for KU with Tyrese Hunter. It doesn't mean you're getting him, but you'd feel like you'd have as good of a shot as anyone. If Jalen Wilson comes back, I think he's probably not coming to KU. Uh, next question. Any other transfers on KU's radar? We had Michael Swain on yesterday. Um, he mentioned Tyrese Hunter. Yeah. Mentioned Courtney Ramey. Also, yeah, we know I actually Isaiah wonder if, if Ramey is a better shot. If, if Jalen Wilson doesn't come back, I wonder if Ramey is a better shot than Tyrese Hunter just because there's there's enough smoke around that Tyrese Hunter and Texas deal that kind of, I think there's, it, it makes me think there's something very, very real to it. I mean, if Texas wants a guy, they can pay for him, right? Yeah. And uh, to be clear, I don't really care about that whole thing. No, not in like um, a negative way like they're cheating. It's just they've got resources to really build up impressive NIL packages. That's part of the game. But I feel like Bill Self loves would love Courtney Ramey in terms of he is a tough shot maker. He's always not the most efficient, but he makes tough shots and he will get up and guard you. He 
He seems to be that type of toughness player that Bill Self would like in the It also court. feels like he's been playing basketball, college basketball. He feels like one of those guys that it feels like he's been playing college basketball for a dozen years. I'm pretty sure this would be his sixth year coming back. I'm pretty sure there's been a red shirt in there and then a uh, a COVID year because yeah. of that. Otherwise, yeah, yeah he, he would not be able to come back. So Courtney Ramey is, is somebody that... Have we you know, heard anything an from Kofi Coburn? Um, no, as far as staying in the draft or leaving, no, we haven't. We also haven't heard anything from uh, Courtney Ramey, who yeah. seems to be mostly focused on pro routes, whether that would be Europe or NBA or whatever. So wait and see on that. Tyree Hunter, obviously. The other guy, Isaiah Mosley, uh, feels like that's kind of, I don't know, quieted down a little. But who knows? If if you lose Jalen Wilson, you have a scholarship. Tyrese Hunter picks Texas. Courtney Ramey goes pro. Isaiah Mosley would make a lot of sense. If He's, you be, if you become the biggest program to be going after Mosley, yeah, you're you know you have a better shot over a lot you know and, you know depending on who if if like AAC schools are the only one other ones looking at it. I forget if this was yesterday or two days ago, but he announced he was withdrawing from the draft. I believe so. That Mosley, yeah, okay. Um, next up, final roster projections. Same roster as it current is. It's just all dependent on Jalen. If he comes back, feels set in stone. If he's gone, you pick up one of those transfers. And then the last question he had, super way too early starting five projections. Dewan, I'm going to put... This one's tough, but I'm... So I'm going to go Dewan Harris. This is going to sound, I don't know, off the top of my head, I may look stupid, but I'm going to go Dewan Harris, Bobby Pettiford, Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson, Zach Clements. Hmm. So you don't have Kevin McCuller in there? Yeah, I sort of forgot about him. So now take out um, what he would. You think he'd probably replace what Pettiford, right? And it's like I would the, think. I don't know. I that's what I'm going though. I'm going Dewan Harris, Grady, Kevin Dick. McCuller, Grady Dick. Okay, Jalen Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I, I, Jack I, yeah, yeah. No, I, well, it's I interesting actually, to me. I like that better because we've already had the conversation about the offense. And but McCuller brings so much defensively. I, I think you're probably right. So what I said, but replace because I was thinking it sounds odd starting a game with two lead guards like that. So yeah, yeah, I, I would take that. Take out what I said. Take out Pettiford and put in McCuller. Um, because McCuller as well can play a little bit of point guard for you. That it helps kind of fill that role. Yeah, so to speak. Um, but if Jalen Wilson ends up going pro, then I view Kevin McCuller as opposed to being kind of your two offensively. I view him, or, or your other lead guard offensively, um, I view McCuller sliding down to the four if Jalen Wilson's not around. And then I would say Bobby Pettiford. I, I would say this. It would either be Bobby Pettiford or Joe Yasufu or KJ Adams starting at the four. It'd it be felt, one of those. This was weird. It, maybe I just feel like it, it. Maybe I just think it felt like this because it, it was something I was looking for and it felt like something that because of that felt like it was happening more often than not. But it, did it feel like there were a lot of moments this year where even with Ochai on the floor, like even with Dewan and Ochai on the floor, Jalen Wilson seemed like the second option to bring the ball up the floor a lot this past year? Yeah. They just they grabbed and, and They kind of have whoever got it brought it mentality. Right. And that's one of the other cool things about Kevin McCuller. Okay, next in the KU mailbag, this from Jeshua Van Sickle. I don't know if it's pronounced Joshua, but it's spelled with an I e. like that name. If slash win, this is a KU football one. If slash win, the booth gets a facelift. What badly needs to be updated? There's three parts to this question. I'll just I'll stop it there for the first part. Uh, the right off the top of my head is I 
This is the, the average fan won't like to hear this, but if you want to be taken seriously to go to a place like the Big Ten, I don't even think they need to expand the stadium. I think there are plenty of, you know, this isn't the Big Ten, but if you want to look at a successful Power Five conference, Utah is a perfect example of a place that only fits about 52,000 people and, and does just fine. Um, I don't think you need very many more spots. I think if you have a stadium that is capacity at 55,000, but then you're like, I would prefer you stuff 55,000 in there than look, you know, sparse at 60,000, if that makes sense. But the biggest thing, I'm not saying this is right, but I'm saying this is the name of the game right now, is you need to really build out some, not just what they have now, some badass, super impressive donor suites. That to me, is priority one. I'm not saying it's what it should be, but I'm saying with the way the, the game is played now, you really need to upgrade and make your donor suites awesome. Honestly, my answer is just kind of everything. Like if you're just asking video what board. needs to be updated, the video board could use an update. The seats could the use bathrooms. an The bathrooms. Right. Like there, I don't think anything there is like, oh, if this is not updated right away, updated right away, it's like some huge issue. But also... Like, you could literally argue everything in there. The concourse needs to be upgraded, right? Like, I just think you really, the the biggest thing to me is you need to really upgrade the places where your big money people sit. And they have suites now. Don't get me wrong. And those suites are nice. A lot of people will be happy to sit, sit there. But you need to take a look at what other big dog programs have for their donor suites. And you need to get on that level. The next part of this question, how do we improve the fan experience? Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Allen Fieldhouse, look, Allen Fieldhouse is incredible um, in the sense of their, um, you know, in the concourses. They've done a great job of keeping the history while adding some modern amenities. But the fact of the matter is you're still, still sitting, your best seat in Allen Fieldhouse is still wood. It's just wood with a back. <laughs> and so I think the, the reason I say that is because you improve the fan experience by improving what's on the field. I don't think people are going to go, God, I can't believe they still have benches in, in Memorial Stadium if the team's going to bowl games. That's a good point. Winning cures all. Um, but if, if let's, you know, I, I guess if I'm going to play along here, um, I'll say more promotional offerings in general. Like, I don't know, have like a, you know, Royals have like dollar hot dog night, right? On Yeah, yeah. Do like a game where it's like it's dollar hot dogs or dollar concessions or have a game where it's like half price beers. You know what I mean? Or because that's a big thing, too. Like a lot of people just stay in the parking lot or stay at the uh, area that they're tailgating or they leave at halftime and they don't come back. Yeah. They just drink. Make it half price beers. Make that easier for people to get involved there. Um, what about like, you know, you have a game where every touchdown is 7% off apparel in the stadium right yeah or a giveaway of like you see bobbleheads given away at baseball games or a giveaway of free hats something like that like the fact that they have been bad for this long and they're not even doing simple stuff like that that, that seems like a, that's a, a good bare point minimum. i yeah i just still i i know that that's the, the obvious one is 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 be better on the field but i really think that question won't even come up if they become a, a, a good program. It won't, but as but they're in, stuck in the right now. In the meantime, yeah, I, I think those are all very good ideas mm -hmm. in the meantime. And the final part of the question, if we were designing it, what would the, I guess, either new or updated stadium look like? I'd name it after myself. 
Mm-hmm. That would be the first one. It'd be Adam Dravetta Stadium. Would you have a statue of yourself somewhere? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I would kind of, uh, I would actually enclose it. I, I, but the problem is, like like, well, no, 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 no. I'm thinking bridge the horseshoe. Um, but I do, as soon as I say that, no, I, I take that back because I was thinking of it as a normal stadium and I actually forget it is a, it is a pretty sweet view of campus the way it is now. So maybe I take that back. Um, I would add, I would probably uh, take away some seats in the corners uh, of that north end and add um, a couple video boards, one one on each corner. Uh, so you have, you have the, the video board there in the south end zone, and then you have a video board in the left corner and then in the, in the right corner at the north end. Um, awesome suites. And then I probably would add some more legitimate. I wouldn't make the whole thing seated, um, but I would add some actual legitimate stadium seats. So I very much like having the open bowl. I think as 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 soon as I said it, I realized that that's a bad idea because again, I I just thought of it as a stadium and and totally forgot about the cool view of the campus. That's the thing. It's just it makes it unique. It makes it different than other schools. If you want to expand or make something different or nicer. In other areas, I, I think that's fine. I just like that being open with the Campanile right there. I, I think it's a, a really cool look. So I would leave it that way. Um, this is one thing that I go back and forth with. The idea of do you add a video board on the other end, which I believe the the north end is yep. the one that the, doesn't have the correct, video board correct. right now. And if you added a video board in there, uh, just have it both ways, it'd be really cool. Would it, would it influence too many people to be watching on the hill and not actually going in the game because you could see it on the video board. I don't know, but I'll just say this. Like, there's an area at, like, Cal Berkeley, and maybe that's not a, a good place to pick because their football team hasn't been great. But, you know, they've been fine. They're bull team, whatever. They have an area called, like, Tightwad Hill, and it's an area you can go to to just, like, watch the game for free, and it gets kind of filled up. Yeah. But they still have fans that enter into the stadium. I think it would just add to the... You'd have even more people watching outside, which I get it. You would maybe have a few less people inside, but isn't the idea to make the whole experience and environment fun? No, I I don't think that whatever is lost in terms of people staying on the hill and watching, I think you gain more by adding that video board. And like I just said, I would put two up there, one in each corner. Um, But that just just feels like like having only one video board, and maybe I haven't been to enough college football stadiums, but it feels like it's one of those things where it's like having only one, you know, it's like when there was a track around the thing. It just certain things make you feel small time and your, your, your program's already struggling enough on the field. You don't want to look, you don't want so many things about your program to look small time. Oh, one thing that, that I think would be really cool, uh, Stanford, like their football field, you walk in and when you walk in at ground level, you are basically at the top of the stadium. That's how the big house is in Ann Arbor. Yeah, so it's dug into the ground. I think that's really cool. That'd be slick. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we have another one from Mr. Randolph, but we're out of time for this one. We'll get we're to very out of time, actually. Yeah, we are. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. He's Adam Bravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. KLWN, depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports.
Welcome back in to RCST. I'm Derek Johnson, Adam Dravetta. One show and basically one and a half at this point remains for Adam here with us at RCST. Nobody told me that. Oh, wow. You're fired! Okay. Um, uh, That is a lie. If we were doing lie detector tests, which we are! Yeah, now we are! Woo! Let's I just start lied. it up! I was being serious about you having a day and a half, but you're not. No, yeah, I was lying about yes. uh, about me not knowing. We're all a bunch of liars. I, I told you guys that. Let's find out if other people are liars. This is an NFL-only edition of Lie Detector Test. Kendrick Bourne, who is a receiver for the New England Patriots, he said that Mac Jones, Patriots quarterback, is, quote, in the best shape of his life. Um, I will actually say he's telling the truth because he didn't say that's going to have anything to do with what he's going to do on the football field. I think it's very possible that he came back looking suave and, and well-built and, and probably changed his diet and learned a lot about nutrition. And yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't think that's going to translate to like an MVP season, but no, I'll, I'll take that. That and it seems like everybody comes back in the best shape of their life in the NFL. And that's what makes it funny. Like I think he is being serious, and and there has been past um, you know pictures when Mac Jones was at Alabama, and you see him next to these like just jacked quarterbacks. Yeah, and he's yeah, just yeah. got kind of the like not like a beer belly, but like he doesn't have the, the six pack. Kind and of all the that. dad yeah. bod type, yeah. But um, does he have the the fake um, the fake plastic surgery jaw that Tom Brady has? <laughs> no. No, he does not. That's coming. That's coming in like five years from now. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, yes, it's not surprising. But also, yes, this is very much, this is best shape of their life season for that all feels, sports yeah. in the offseason. That feels like one of those things where they're like, best. He, oh, man, he's, he's in the best best shape of his life. And he's like, oh, so do you think he's going to have a better season? Uh, he's in the best shape of yeah. his life. So do you think he could throw for 30 touchdowns? I tell you, he's in the best shape mm-hmm. of his life. That feels like what that is. Exactly. Like, I don't envision this, like, changing anything of the way I view Mac Jones. Like, is all of a sudden he going to be running a four four forty? No. He's just in better yeah, shape. Yeah, he's just in, he's in, yeah. Which is good, I guess, but I mean, it's I mean, like the quarterback he, he position. He spent an entire, you know, an entire year focusing on nothing but his, his yeah. physical condition and his body. So, yeah, it should be in pretty damn good shape. He's a pocket passer. And part of this was he wants to be more durable taking hits. And so, yes. Maybe it helps him be healthier throughout the season, but he also didn't miss a game last season, so I don't really view it as like changing anything. So I think I mean, Kendrick Bourne Michael, is right, but Mike, it's also just, yeah. Michael Jordan talked about how he got, in, uh, obviously, different, even though the 90s NBA was very fit, much more physical than it is now, still nowhere nearly as physical as, as NFL football. Uh, but Michael Jordan did talk about how much it helped him packing on an extra 15 pounds of muscle Um in terms of getting beat up by teams like the Knicks and the Celtics, or um, uh, the Knicks and the Pistons. Um, and so there's something to that that I think it, you probably can spring up a little easier from hits if you have some muscle packed on. But overall, I believe Kendrick Bourne. I yeah, I don't think it's going to you know, turn him into a, an MVP caliber quarterback, but I, I have no reason to doubt that he's in great shape. No. Okay, uh, next on the list is Ryan Tannehill. There's the quote... I don't know, several weeks ago, after the draft, the Titans took Malik Willis in the third round. And they asked Ryan Tannehill, are you going to mentor Malik Willis? Are you going to help him along? He's like, no, that's not my job. Which took a lot of flack because, um, 
you know, it just it sounds like not being the best teammate there and doing what's best for the organization. And then it got a blowback to that, which was, well, why should he care what happens with Malik Willis? He's only in the NFL for a finite amount of years. He should be trying to do whatever is best for him and, and making money and, and holding off his job. And I do actually agree with that standpoint, but I also think from the human standpoint where it's like, hey, just be nice to others and help others along, it it should be appreciated for the guys who are willing to do that. So like Alex Smith, like yeah. I don't have a problem with Ryan Tannehill not doing that, but for the guys who do like Alex Smith, they should be almost put on a pedestal for that pedestal for that action. But nonetheless, here's what uh, Ryan Tannehill said uh, this time around. He said, I meant no disrespect to Malik or anything like that. We've been in constant communication since he was drafted. I'm disappointed in how things got spun and twisted a little bit. I pride myself on being a, and there's the drive to deep left field, Nick Castellano. <laughs> uh, I pride myself on being a great teammate my whole career, going back to when I was a kid playing youth sports. He says he vows he'll be a great teammate to Malik Willis, and he feels that the mentor comments were blown out of proportion. Um, so do you believe him that he'll be a great teammate? I guess. Yeah, I think the, he'll be uh, a fine. Team. Yeah, I, I think he'll be a fine. Will teammate. he be a great teammate? I don't know what constitutes a great teammate. I don't. You know. Um, I Will don't he bring him coffee every day. Will yeah, he... that's the thing. Is he gonna, you know, pay for all his dinners when mm-hmm. they're on the road? You know, it's not. You know, I I don't think he's gonna, you know, go into Malik's house and. Do you think they're gonna hang out a lot? No, but I I don't think he's. I gonna... think that's part of being a great teammate. It's hanging I, out. I don't. I don't think it's great teammate. I mean, look, you and I are great coworkers, but we're also very good friends. We hang out a lot, but I don't think that that's a prerequisite. I think for teammate, it is. Like I'm sure they'll go out to dinner on on the yeah on the road and stuff, but I don't know. I, I look, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to go into Malik Malik's house and, you know, if Ryan and then Tannehill go- hosts a barbecue, is Malik Willis invited? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's a full team okay. sort of thing. I think that um, is like great teammate. Okay. I, I didn't mean like going to a movie together. No, 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 no. Like yeah. Yeah. Like, have, like yeah. That. Team yeah. events. Yeah. 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 I mean, but again, like, you know, I, I just, I, I think people took that, um, that comment um, about the not helping him, and now they think he's going to go into Malik's house and and go into the bathroom and, and pee in the toilet tank. So when Malik flushes pee comes out, I don't think he'll do that. No, I don't think so either. Um, I I don't know. I don't think this is like a like. What do you want him to say? I guess. Uh, do you want him to be like no? Do you want him to reiterate it because he's already seen the blowback? He's not going to yeah. like I, double look, down. I don't think I agree completely with what you said at the beginning of this part, and that I don't think Ryan Tannehill owes. You know, I don't think he owes any any coaching to Malik. Uh, Will, it's Malik Willis. I, yeah. I keep. I'm, I'm so scared. I'm going to call him Malik Newman that I just keep stopping before I say his last name. I don't think he owes. You know, being a coach to Malik Willis. Uh, but I do agree that with that, I also believe that Alex Smith deserves a heck of a lot yes. of extra accolades and extra um, appreciation for the fact that he did exactly that for Patrick Mahomes. Um, but no, I, I have no doubt that they'll, you know, he'll he'll be part of all the team activities, and and I don't think, you know, I'm sure that they'll be, you know, in in the quarterback room, you know, because a lot of times quarterbacks watch film together. I'm sure he'll invite him to to do all that. I, I don't think that'll be a problem at all. I agree. Um, so from that standpoint, I think he'll do that. But yeah, as far as like being best friends or which he never said that to be clear. Yeah, he just said he'd be a great teammate. Yeah, exactly. Good for him. Okay, this uh, next one comes from an organization, the Las Vegas Raiders. Ugh. 
This comes from Bleacher Report. Actually, no, it comes from Adam Schefter. Bleacher Report loves to aggregate things and take it as their own, so I'm calling them out for that right now. Nonetheless, um, Adam Schefter reported that Colin Kaepernick is scheduled to work out for the Las Vegas Raiders this week. And I know where I'm leaning on this. I'm not I'm not saying this is a lie that they're not going to have um, him work out. I guess the way I would put it, it's just it's bad intentioned because they don't they they're not bringing him in with any thought of actually giving him correct. a spot on the team. They're bringing him in because they're about to look really really racist in the John Gruden lawsuit. Yes, and this is a ploy to get positive PR from that standpoint because literally moments earlier in the day, I believe it was earlier that day, um, a Nevada judge ruled in favor of former Las Vegas Raiders coach John Gruden on two motions opening the possibility of a jury trial on his uh, interference claim that the NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell selectively leaked Gruden's emails to force his removal on October 11th. So it's going to trial. That means this stuff is going to be made public record, and it's going to be you know out there in open forum, which is probably going to lead to some bad PR for the Raiders. So I don't think it's a lie again that they're actually going to give Colin Kaepernick a tryout but are they actually going to take it seriously or give him a job? No. Nope. I agree completely. So the Raiders are liars. Yeah, they're, they're liars in the sense that the, the tryout will lead to, has a chance to lead to any sort of, you know, being on the team. Mm-hmm. How about this one from uh, one Tyreek Hill, who he was at some event. I have no idea what it was, but he's being interviewed. He's being asked, you know, asked about Tua, being asked about the quarterback. Obviously, there was the one um, video that emerged from the Dolphins' side of things where they uh, threw a, a deep ball, and uh, it was a bit underthrown, to say the least, to Tyreek Hill, but they kind of, like, zoomed in on the ball, and you couldn't really tell, like, how much underthrown, or was it not that bad of a pass? I don't know. It just kind of made things look bad. Nonetheless, um, here's what he said about Tua Tungvaloa. Quote, what a lot of people don't know about Tua is he's very competitive. He's a very hard worker, and the guy can actually throw the ball better than a lot of people actually think. Is Tyreek Hill lying? No, I think that's... Um, I don't know. Again, those just feel like such generic statements that I don't think that they can be lies. Didn't somebody take that to mean that they thought that he was saying he throws better than Patrick Mahomes? Uh, I wouldn't surprise me. I feel like I saw that somebody was overreacting to that comment. Look, no, I I guess I can't say that's a lie because those are all such generic comments that I don't think they can be classified as lies. Does that make sense? And I think you, I, I don't think you get to play at a place like Alabama, and I don't think you get to the NFL without being hyper, hyper competitive. These guys are freaks with how competitive they are. No, I mean, like, and, I, and so those are such generic things. No, I, I don't. Now, did he walk in after playing however many years with Patrick Mahomes and go, "Wow, this Tua guy can sling pig"? No, because he's seen what a what a guy would sling and pig is. He played with it for five years or however many years, four, however long he played with Mahomes. Um, but I, I, I guess maybe I'm leaning lie because of the throwing hard thing. But those are all just such generic comments. It feels just like another, he's in the best shape of his life. This feels like to me when someone asks me a question and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, how did this go? And you're like, um, I mean, 
you know, it was it was fine. And in the back of your head, you're like, oh, this happened, this happened. It was a pure disaster. But you're like, I don't really want to go into detail right now. Like, I, we're just walking by and passing. It was fine. You know, it was what it was. But then you come up with an answer, and, and they're like, well, what'd you like about it? And you just, well, yeah, like, like you go to a restaurant, and you're like, it was just a disaster. Like, the waiter brought out the food. It caught on fire. Um, they didn't, you know, they gave it to me. It was burnt. They, they didn't give me any anything to comp the check or, or yeah, to I asked, I asked fix for, it. You know, asked for lemonade. They asked, gave me iced tea. And But instead of going into all that, they're like, well, you're just like, yeah, it was fine. And and then they're like, well, why was it Why was it fine? What'd you like about it? And you're like, well, um, they just... They, Bob Davis. They put so much effort into cooking the food. And like, like that's what, what a lot of people don't know about Tua is he's very competitive. He's yeah. a very hard worker. If you're going to, if, if somebody asks you, how do you like playing with this quarterback? And one of your first things you say is he's a hard worker. They're NFL no, that's, players. Yeah, that's a bad. I agree. Exactly. That's, that's not a sign. But I don't think he's lying. I just think it's a bad sign that that's all he can say about him. No, I think it is a lie. To, I think to it's use a lie. your restaurant comparison, Bob Davis, when he didn't care for the, um, when he didn't care for the food in the media room, if somebody said how you know, what he would say about it was well, I'm not as hungry as I was before. <laughs> well, and that's that's how this is. It's yeah. like it's it's. I guess it's not a lie. It's just like a, it's like a cushiony answer. To let things down easy, the yeah, guy yeah, can yeah. actually throw the ball a lot pe- better than people actually yeah, think. I don't, I don't think it's a lie. I just, but I don't. He think doesn't it, throw well, but I don't, he throws better yeah, than people think. Yeah. So I don't. I don't believe it's a lie, but I also don't think it's a, a major, um, you know, a, a, a recommendation or endorsement of the guy. I think in five years, Tua's no longer on the Dolphins. Who knows where Tyreek Hill is? You ask him about his time with Tua, he'll change that answer, and it'll be, "Gosh, Tua sucked." So I think but from I was, that standpoint. But I was rich, so I didn't care. Uh, last one. This is a quick one. Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey following George Kittle's comments about him being underpaid. Quote, money is secondary in my mind. I'm here for the legacy, and I'm here to try and make the Kansas City Chiefs the best team possible. Um, No, I, I would agree that – I would no, I would say it's, he's telling the truth in the sense that it's secondary. I think he probably means that it's not – you know, it, it's because it, when I hear secondary, I think it's important enough to him that if a team's ready to offer him ten million dollars more per year than the Chiefs, or some crazy amount more than the Chiefs, he will take it. Um, so that's what I hear when I mean secondary. I don't hear unimportant. I just hear secondary. Mm-hmm. In that he'll probably, you know, take a little less, you know, than the Chiefs, but it's not, you know, that's what I hear. And no, I and I think he's telling the truth. I think he is lying about the fact that he doesn't, to make it sound like he doesn't care about the money. Because he I never think he, said that. Though. I know. I don't think I know, that's what he's trying, and I don't think that's what he's trying to say. I, I, I he's trying to say it's secondary. I think it comes across when you say it's secondary. I'm more focused on this. Is like, oh, I don't really care about the money in terms of fans, and they're like, yeah, we love this well, guy. If somebody when takes reality, it that way, hold that's on, hold on. okay. Uh, when in reality, he just signed a contract last year, so there's nothing he can do. So yeah, it, it's better to just say when he very much does care about the team winning in the franchise. So I don't want to make it sound like yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. the case. I just don't think like if he was up for a contract right now, I don't think that's the answer he would give. So from that standpoint, I yeah. But any, not, any fan, real just real quick, any fan that that takes it as the way you said, and I know you didn't take it that way, but any fan who does take it that way, that's that's their problem, not Kelsey's. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. 
Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I am Derek Johnson here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Uh, we are in full off-season mode. Chiefs off-season, OTAs going on. Uh, the Royals feel like they're in the off-season because they're so bad. Um, KU for everything in the off-season at this point in time. So let's do a off-season type of segment here. We're not going to do like a Mount Rushmore, but, you know, this is going to be a... Uh, Again, like off-season content here. So Christian Brown declaring for the NBA draft yesterday, which puts him in a list of players who only played for Bill Self three seasons. Now, there are certain exceptions you could say that that if you want to make for the rule. Uh, Jeff Withy technically was like three and a half. Yeah, he, he began the second semester of the 0910 season. Mm-hmm. And then you have LeGerald Vick, who is three and a half, where his last year was the half year, essentially, although it was probably even more than a half year, probably more like it was 60%, conference. 70%. Yeah, it was conference play. But I, I would say we don't. I would I would actually. I, now, we're not going to count. I want to cut it at three. We're not counting either of those, but mm-hmm. to be clear, I would be more in favor of, because of the circumstances that led to them being where they were, I would, I would say with the over over Vic in terms of who we would allow, but just to avoid any confusion, we're just going three years exactly, so no withy, no Vic, no in-betweens, three exactly. Yeah, and this will be under Bill yeah. Self. So there's there's a player. Yes, who spent there. four years, but three yeah. with Bill Self exactly. that, that would count. Um, Now, as far as this goes, I, if you were redshirting and you played two years, I'm going to count that as well. It's three years in the program exactly, no more, no less, with Bill Self. Which leaves us with a sizable pool of players, and there have been some pretty notable players who have left to go to the NBA draft after three years. Obviously, now it's more popular to see guys doing it after one year, or you know, a guy like Devon Dotson going after two years, something like that. But there are some really good names on this list. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a draft of the three-year Bill Self players, and you can fill out your team However you want. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can make it four guards and a center. You can do two big men traditionally. The only real rule is is like be at least I don't know, be at least realistic. Like don't don't draft four centers or don't draft five guards where yeah, yeah, yeah. your fifth guard is like, you know, a six foot four shooting guard or something. Yeah, yeah. Be yeah. semi realistic here. So with that said, and then we'll put this up, put it up for a poll. See who wins. There won't be any like punishment. It's just pride, I guess. Um, well, my my win or lose, my punishment is I can't be on the show anymore after that's right. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if if you if you lose, you can't be on the show after Friday. If you win, Friday can be your last day. Great, great. All right. Okay. Yeah, All right, I'll cool. take that. Yep. Okay. Um. So, do you want the first pick? I I'll do. Give you the honor. It's gonna I, be a snake. Okay. Uh. Well, if it's a snake. No, there's still one I'm really leaning. So yes, I will take the first pick. Okay, take it away. Um, I will go with the the pick that was very popular during our Super Super Bowl spread draft and take Canoli. <laughs> I love it. But since well, the Canoli plays well, position? Cano- the wing, now, the Canoli center. actually, now that I think about it, was a one and done. Mm. Um. So how I about I take Brandon Rush? That is a very good pick, Brandon Rush, a three year player. All Big 12 first team, all three seasons at KU, won a national title, leading score three straight seasons. We say this all the time. If you look at the overall numbers, like the efficiency jumps off the page. Uh, The points per game doesn't jump off the page, but if he was on a team that 
wasn't so darn loaded. He yeah. probably averages 15, 16, 17. Who knows? Maybe even like 20 and, points and per game. He may be another guy in conversation to be another, you know, finalist for National Player of the Year had the team he was on not been so crazy loaded. He also got one extra uh, rebound in the National Championship game um, because there was a, during overtime he had a breakaway and he missed the layup, got his own rebound, <laughs> and put it right back in. Yeah. Okay, this, see, this is this is a tough – so I have back-to-back picks here. This is really tough for me. I, I really like that Brandon Rush pick number one overall there. Now, you could make an argument that some of these other guys that I'm about to bring up here maybe had a better individual season or something like that than Brandon Rush just because of those numbers. But I, I, I would have agreed with you in going Brandon Rush one because of the fact that like some of these other guys, so like uh, Cole Aldridge or Markeith Morris, Marcus Morris, Thomas Robinson, all those guys are big guys. You're going to find your way into a good big guy in this draft no matter what you do. But the the amount of wings mm-hmm. is a little bit tougher. Yeah. So taking Brandon Rush, it's just the the need there um, at that position. So that's that's going to be why I take my my pick here. I think that Marcus Morris or Thomas Robinson or Cole Aldridge – to me, you could argue a better individual season, a better – I mean, if you take into account the winning, then no. But um, yeah. if you just talk about, like, the individual accolades, you could say better than this next guy I'm going to say. But because there's so many players there and I'm worried about finding the lead guard position, mm-hmm. I'm worried that there's not a ton of guys on this list. Like, off the top of my head, I can't really think of many three-year point guards at KU. They all stayed, like, four years, right? Or – Devon Dotson was two years. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the tough one. Which means I'm taking Mario Chalmers. That's yeah, that's a good one. It's, I mean, for position purposes, um, there's one other guy. There's really one other possibility yeah. for a three year lead guard. I mean, if you um, want like a true point guard, yeah, which I could take here just to like screw you over, but I'm not going to. I appreciate that. Um, and let but, us know if we forget anyone. Let us know, but I don't think there's any other three-year no, point guards but, besides Chalmers and the other guy we're mentioning here is Nadir Tharp. And if, if, yeah, I'm maybe you'll take him later, and and I won't have a lead guard, but that's you know that's fine. Um, but I, you know, I just I Chalmers would have been the guy, but I just think Rush was there's so much talent there. Mm-hmm. I couldn't pass up on him, but position-wise, that's an obvious one in yeah. Chalmers. By the way, if we did this for a two-year version, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Like, you'd have Devon Dotson and Darrell Arthur, who, yeah. by the way, today I saw was um, getting interest because Tim Connolly, the the Nuggets, like, head guy in the front office, uh, they, they need to replace him because he's going to the Timberwolves, and Darrell Arthur is one of the candidates. So that would be really cool for, for him to do that. But nonetheless... Um, Man, see, this becomes difficult because now, like, do I go the wing route? Do I go with a Christian Brown who's newly into this player pool? Or do I go with one of those big men who were just so good? And again, like, I think Marcus Morris and Thomas Robinson and Cole Aldridge had the more accolade-driven season. But because I think there is a little bit less options on the wing and I'm kind of holding out hope that I'm going to be able to play like two wings, two guards or something like that, or one guard and, and three wings, I need to take the wing right now. So I'm going to take Christian Brown. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and he, he gives you an option. He's somebody who can bring the ball up the court. Yes. Um, you know, he's not going to be your one guard, but he's he can bring the ball up the court. Uh, this puts me in a difficult position. Um, 
And let's throw out but, here. I, I might as well throw out some of the names that we're kind of looking at and thinking of here. So we mentioned Nadir Tharp. Uh, Jeff Hawkins played four overall at KU, but three were under Bill Self, so we counted him here if you want a good wing defender. Yeah. Wayne Selden played three years. Brandon Green, uh, kind of in the same ilk as Nadir Tharp. It wasn't that he might not have wanted to come back for fourth year, but you he know, didn't. wasn't really allowed that option. But if you want some good shooting... I uh, can't miss there. And then I mentioned the Morris twins. You have Thomas Robinson, Kevin Young, because he redshirted one year. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Cole Aldridge was three. And then uh, how about Hunter Mickelson? He, he redshirted one here. year because he was a transfer, wasn't he? Uh, for Mickelson and Kevin Young, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. both of them. Um, and again, I'm, we might be missing someone, but... I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm eyeing this forward center position. I'm really leaning. I'm going to just tell you right now, my choices are between Marcus Morris and Thomas Robinson. Um... Robinson obviously led that team to a national title and and was a national player of the year candidate. I don't know if more. I mean, Morris won Big Twelve Player of the Year, so in that sense, you're on some level a national player of the year candidate because you win conference player of the year. I and mean, you power can take conference. both. You have back to back. I know, but year. I don't want. So you're in the same ilk as me. You want to try to build a lineup with yeah. one big. What? No, 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 not necessarily. Oh, okay. I just feel like I need another guard mm. at some point. Um, yeah, there's a lot more bigs on here than there are guards. That's the thing. I I feel like my options will be there. Um, give me Marcus Morris. Okay. And you can distinguish and, whether he's playing the four or the five yeah, uh, later I'll, I'll, on. But. Yeah. Um, and, again, this is tough because I just – look, I know Nadir Tharp is more of a true point guard – but I'm going to take this other guy and, and say he can maybe be a guy who at least can bring the ball up the court, and I don't know how great he would be uh, if he's the mm. lead guard against a press. If you're going where I think you're going, some would say that at one point he could have been a better point guard option I'm than going the, someone uh, yes, else. I'm going that exact route. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to say Wayne Selden. Wayne Selden. That's a really good one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just... Again, I just I, I Nadir Tharp was was fine, but there's a reason that by the end of that 14 season, Frank Mason was getting so much run at the point guard, even though Nadir Tharp was the older player. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Roderick Stewart, because again, how we're counting this, if you sat out a year, even in the program, it counts. So Roderick Stewart played three years, but he sat out a year. Otherwise, you could have used him as like a lead point yeah. guard. That would have been you know a fine option as well. Um, but yeah, unless. You know, unless we're digging into like the walk-ons, or again somebody we forgot, or maybe a guy who transferred out early. We could do. What about um, what about Connor Tian? Because I think he was three <laughs> years as a scholarship player. Ah. Unless he was only two as a scholarship player, but, but that still doesn't help you with the lead point. No, guard. no, no. That was the problem. So no, I, I. That's the thing. There's just I think you took. I mean, I, I don't want to. You know, Nadir Tharp was was a fine basketball player, um, but I will. Um, you know, I'll take Wayne Selden with the hope that maybe he spends an off season or, or a full season <laughs> learning from self the the you know, like maybe Elijah Johnson kinda had to transition. He wasn't really a wing, he was more of a two guard, but Elijah Johnson had to learn how to move from a two guard to a one guard. So uh Wayne was more of a three, but still I'm I'm gonna hope for something like that and I'm gonna go Marcus Morris and Wayne Selden on my two picks there. Okay, I, I was hoping Marcus Morris fell to me. I, I very much thought of taking Marcus Morris at honestly my first overall pick. But again, because of the big depth, like even after you took Marcus the thing, Marcus there are Morris, a lot of bigs. Yeah, there's still Thomas Robinson and Cole Aldridge and Markeith Morris, So, which is why I waited. Um, I'm going to take Cole Aldridge. 
I want that a more traditional, more traditional center and defense. Yes, exactly. And like I said, I'm I'm going to try to build like a versatile one through four. Give me a five. I can play drop coverage at the center position. I'm going to have an elite shot blocker in Cole Aldridge that can cover up some of the uh, defensive. You know, if if you get blown by on the defensive end, or if uh, a guy gets by you, you have that guy inside. We talked about yesterday just having uh, the mental side of things that you can. You know, have the opposition fearful of entering into the lane because the shot's going to get blocked. Uh, you know, Cole is is very reliable on that end, so I'm going to take Cole Aldridge, and that I think even adds to the ability of my first pick, which is Mario Chalmers, because he's he's so good at at gambling and getting and getting steals. in passing lanes. Yeah, yeah, and and if you have a shot blocker behind him, then it really allows for him to um, do that at his max level and not necessarily have to worry about. You know, did I just get blown by because I risked a steal that I maybe exactly, shouldn't have? Yeah. So I'll go with him there. And then I think what we've seen in the NBA, I know this is based on the college versions of the guy, but we've seen in the NBA that both the Morris twins, Marcus and Markeith, like they at times in the NBA are playing the three. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, even though I said I want to play kind of those those three wings or, or basically four guards around the one big man, even though we think of Markeith Morris in his time as can- at Kansas as a four and five man, he realistically could be a small ball four in some of the versatility and, and way that he can play. So I'm going to pick Markeith Morris. I'll get the other Morris twin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, avoids you from getting both Morris twins. Um, that also maybe can keep each other in check a little bit. And I have Markeith Morris that I feel like even though, you know, it isn't a traditional wing like having Christian Brown or a Jalen Wilson type at the four position, Markeith Morris can hit threes. He is versatile enough to defend on the perimeter if I need him to. Uh, I like that pick there. Let me do some quick research on this because I want to find out um, a height differential because I'm, I'm I'm eyeing that big position again so T-Rob is listed at 610 mm. and I'm wondering can I build something where like Marcus Morris and Thomas Robinson can hang around yeah Marcus is 68 so can they hang around and kind of play together? you know, on the same team, on the same starting line. Are we just going to starting five here? Uh, starting five and a sixth man. Okay. <sighs> um, you know what? I've, I've held out long enough on him. Let's see. So I've got, I've got a couple of wings right now in Brandon Rush and Wayne Selden. I've got Marcus Morris. I'm going to take Thomas Robinson and Nadir Tharp. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You still could use the uh, edge ball I, handler, and I, I would. I mean, look, Hunter Mickelson is a more true center, um, but I just like as a, if I, if I'm playing true center, I'm going Marcus Morris. I mean, I would put Thomas Robinson there because he's got two inches on Marcus Morris, at least as far as listed height goes. He's six ten to Marcus Morris is six eight. Um, this is more of a of a of an old school, almost more like a Roy Williams lineup than a modern or or an older Bill Self lineup rather than a modern Bill Self lineup where he really likes to do the four round one now. Um, but Marcus Morris actually was a pretty decent passing big man. Well, the problem was he was really good at passing to his brother because they were on the same wavelength. Uh, but I, I'm still going to trust that that you know he'll 
particularly, you know, against certain defenses, um, you know, Marcus Morris can pass it into Thomas Robinson if he's forced to. But and dear Tharp, I just, I can't, I need a ball handler. Mm-hmm. And he's my second, you know, I think the, the draft's fallen far enough. And, um, you know, Chalmers is clearly superior to Tharp, but I he's, Tharp's kind of the, the last guard, the last true guard left. Yeah, you just need somebody to handle the ball. And I'll say this, like, you look at Nadir Tharp's stats, they're actually not that bad from his final season. He wasn't a great defender, but he actually shot no, he, pretty I mean, efficiently. By no means was he terrible. Could we're just assists. Yeah, we're just comparing. I mean, he's, he's being pitting, pitted against all-timers. Yes, exactly. Okay, so I have two picks here. I need another guard, and I need my sixth man. Um the pool is waning. It's kind of just about like how I want the style no, of Wayne's my team gone. to be. <laughs> yeah, nah, that is correct. Nah, um, puns. Hmm. Okay, I definitely want Brandon Green as my yeah, sixth. Yeah, that man. was I was yeah, yeah I was eyeing him as my sixth man too. That's it. You want that a sharpshooter off the bench? Exactly. He's perfect for that. And then I I want to be more guard oriented, so I am going to go Jeff Hawkins. Um, Jeff Hawkins will be my off guard. Or, you know, we basically have Chalmers, Hawkins, Brown as the three main guards, Markeith Morris um, at the four, Cole Aldridge at the five, and you got Brandon Green coming off the bench. And and I love the defense of my team. Chalmers and Haw- Hawkins is just like a lockdown on-ball defender. Chalmers is the guy who gets all those steals. Christian Brown can be an opportunistic defender and get steals and be a good team defender. Markeith Morris, same thing. Cole Aldridge, shot blocker. Brandon Green, not going to provide much defensively, but he's going to be such a good three-point shooter with the rest of that yeah. lineup insulated around him that I love that, which means you just have one pick for your six man. You have be to be either, man. Yeah, it's like either Kevin Young or Hunter Mickelson. I know, uh, and I'm going to go Kevin Young. Um, he was just a very smart player. There was even a story that Jesse Newell did about how Kevin Young in practice kind of, um, you know, kind of did a bit of an improvisation when they were prepping for Baylor against that zone. And he, he made a move that Bill Self hadn't really coached and Self really liked it and they implemented it in the offense. And then they took that play and, and used it, wound up using it against Duke in the 2018 Elite Eight against that zone. So a very smart player. Um, you know, not clearly not the NBA talent of some of these other guys. I wish the the thing that I'm clearly lacking now Brandon Rush could hit threes, but the thing that I and, and so so could Wayne Selden, but the thing I'm lacking, um, I would prefer if I had my way, I would prefer my sixth man be a sharpshooter off the bench like a Brandon Green, um, but since I don't have that option, um, I will take Kevin Young. I, I'm clearly lacking, um, you know Thomas Thomas Robinson could block, and I don't just mean the one against Missouri. He had other blocks. But he wasn't trained, you know, he wasn't just an absolute stud at it like Cole Aldrich. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm what I'm lacking here is clearly a sharpshooter off the bench, but they were all gone. Um, so, yeah, like, I'll take Kevin Young off the bench. So you got Nadir Tharp, Wayne Selden, Brandon Rush, Marcus Morris, Thomas Robinson, Kevin Young. I have Mario Chalmers, Jeff Hawkins, Christian Brown, Markeith Morris, Cole Aldridge, Brandon Green. There's a lot more versatility to yours. I'll say this. I like my, particularly with um, Marcus, Thomas, and Brandon Rush, I like my top-shelf talent a little more than yours. I think mine's more of a defensive team. Yours is more of an offensive team. And I think there's more versatility to yours, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, uh, those are pretty even teams. So we'll put that up for a poll at RCST1320. You can go vote on those. I like this. This was kind of fun. I also would like to know who Cole 
is guarding between Thomas and Marcus Morris because they could both. They're neither. I'll put them on T Rob. Yeah, and T Rob. Then we get the Morris twin matchup that yeah. we've all been dying for. Yeah, absolutely. That everybody's wanted in a in a West in a conference finals mm-hmm. or in an NBA finals. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll do a two year player one tomorrow. Like I said, I think that'd be fun. I thought this was a a fun time, just cool little exercise here. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, let's talk some Kansas City Royals. Why? I don't know, but let's do it anyway. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.